anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. You know, for some people, the Word of God comes to them like a cool drink of water or a piece of bread when they're hungry to get more out of life. For others, Scripture cuts into them like a knife, convicting them of something that they need to change. The Word of God is many things, and it comes to us in different ways. But for my guest today, Alison Jingris, the awareness of God's Word came like a match struck in a dark room, showing her the beauty of what was already around her, waking her up to what the new life in Christ can be. Allison, my friend, welcome to Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you for having me on as a guest, Sarah. You are so welcome. And I can't wait to hear more about your experience with Scripture. But first, you're many things. You're a Catholic author, you're a speaker, you're a podcaster, but your day job is to help apostolates with social media and other new forms of media, I guess you might say. What motivates you to do that? Many years ago, I saw social media kind of as it was rising up as a new mission field. I saw this as a beautiful place to reach lives that we may never have reached before with the word of God, with the faith, with just how much God loves us. And so I just started to learn more and more about it. I wanted to do it well. And once I started to gain my own kind of footing and and seeing that I had a real skill for it, I also then saw that I wanted to share these skills with others so they would have the tools to till this amazing field, mission field as well. I love thinking about it as a mission field. I can't say I had ever thought of that that before, but it really is true and it requires new tools and new methods. And thank you so much. Thank you for the ways you've helped me (laughs) over the years also. You're very welcome. So You know, I've heard you say many times that you love scripture so much and you've said that encountering encountering Jesus in scripture has completely changed your life. So what was your life before that it needed to change and what, what changed? How did that change come about? I think my life before discovering the word of God was just this constant trying to figure out what God was saying to me, trying to kind of figure him out, but not grow in relationship with him. I didn't know how he spoke. I didn't know how he communicated with his beloved. And then when I was invited to a Bible study many years ago in my parish, I actually said no. My first inclination was my words to the woman were, quote, thank you very much, but I'm Catholic and I don't read the Bible. (laughs) We don't read the Bible. And goodness, I had so much to learn. And it was she was a Catholic as well. So the Bible study was in your parish, but it wasn't a Catholic Bible study? Yes. We started with Rick Warren had just come out with Purpose Driven Life. Oh, yeah. So that was the first book that that she chose to do. She, uh, she was new to the scriptures as well. And this book just really interests her. And I almost declined the invitation because I didn't realize that Catholics read the Bible. And she actually gave me the book as a gift. And that was such a beautiful gesture. Of course, I had to say yes to at least go to (laughs) one meeting. But I was so intimidated that my inclination was I'll go once and I'll do I'll be kind and then I'll never come again. 
But this wise woman had delicious snacks. She had guacamole and she had cookies. (laughs) And that kind of got me to come back again and again. And I loved how the Lord used, you know, the desires of my heart for yummy snacks to open up his world to me, his word to me. And every week I went and I brought my Bible that had never been cracked open before. I would struggle to figure out New Testament, Old Testament. But three years later, when I left that Bible study, I could quickly get to the word of God. And what really changed for me was my prayer life. Hmm. When I prayed, I began to understand the difference between God speaking to my heart and Allison speaking to her own heart. And that was revolutionary to me. And one of the reasons I went into Catholic ministry, went into women's ministry is I wanted other women to have this amazing experience of being able to be in relationship with Jesus. Hmm. So, you know, you said you had this kind of aha moment of realizing that God speaks to you in scripture. Do you have a specific example of that that you can remember? Probably the first inclination I had, or the, the first kind of aha moment came with Philippians 4, 6. I have great anxiety. I've lived with anxiety my entire life. And I had never realized that the scriptures would deal with my everyday problems, with my everyday mm. worries and, and issues with my life. And in reading Philippians 4, 6, and talking about, you know, ha- it says, literally says, have no anxiety at all. But then it didn't just tell me to not worry. St. Paul in that letter goes on to give me ideas of how to deal with that worry, to make petition, to in thanksgiving, and that I would receive peace. And I prayed it. I memorized it. It was the first scripture I memorized. And it did bring me peace. When I started to become overwhelmed, I went to this mantra, if you will, and repeated the word of God to my heart. And it really did help me kind of get off at that, what I would call like the, the hamster wheel of worry. Like I would just get spun into a, a place where before I didn't have a way of stopping the wheel and getting off. And then I discovered that there's like 365 times that God tells me, do not worry, do not, not doubt, do not be afraid. Like every day, really, he has this word of, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. And that truly, truly changed my life in so Beautiful. many ways. So, you know, you talked about this, this is a Bible study you're going to. It's in your parish, but it's, it's a Protestant Bible study, which, you know, could be fine. Often when Catholics first discover God speaking to them in scripture when they previously have not been hearing him speak to them at mass, say they leave. Uh, You didn't. Uh, Was there a reason? That's very interesting. It's that this was actually at the woman's home. We were all Catholics at the time. And after a few years of studying, now we're talking over 15 years ago, and there really wasn't the beautiful Catholic women's Bible studies that you find now. There was a few, but there really we, did, we just didn't have the, the library that we have now, the treasure mm-hmm. truly that we have now. And four of my best friends, so the, I became friends with four of them, best friends. And we did all these Christian concerts together and we went to different women's events. And the four of them actually left the Catholic church to become evangelicals. Mm-hmm. And I went with them to their service. And I remember I loved the sermon. It was so deeply entrenched in the word. We did contemporary Christian music with the words up. We were singing and I had my hands in the air. Like, I just don't care. And I just loved all of that. But when we left, 
there was just this something in my heart, like this emptiness. Mm. And we all went to breakfast and I wasn't eating. And someone's like, oh, a new diet. I'm like, actually, no, I'm going to go to mass in a few minutes. And they're like, well, we just, we just had service. You don't have to go to mass. And I realized in that moment that I wanted to go to mass, hmm. that I missed the Eucharist and that having read John 6, I understood finally that teaching from Jesus, that he is the bread of life and that I needed to consume him. I needed to gnaw on him as the scripture says, to have the eternal life, to, to have that closeness. Like they were working so hard to be close to God. But yet we're so blessed in the Catholic Church to be as close as you can be as you consume him. Mm-hmm. And in that and that was actually the catalyst of me writing Catholic Bible studies, because I wanted to mix the two beautiful worlds mm-hmm. of God's word and all the beautiful teaching and inspiration that comes from God's world word, along with the traditions and the devotions and the beauty of our Catholic faith. Beautiful, beautiful. So in the process of telling me that about your wanting to go back to the Eucharist and make sure that you had that, you mentioned John 6. So you were bringing together right there, scripture and Eucharist. But at some point, did you realize that there actually is scripture in, <laughs> in our liturgy, in the mass? It's not like we so, don't have it. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of embarrassing. I was probably in my late 30s, having been a cradle Catholic I went to mass most of my life. I had that little break in my early adulthood, but I came back at about 27-ish. And here I am, at late 30s, and I'm sitting in mass after having studied God's word for a few months. And there's a reading. And all of a sudden, I have this aha moment of, hey, wait a minute. I just read, actually, it might have been Philippians 4, 6. Like, I just <laughs> read that. <laughs> and suddenly I went home, I pulled out my catechism, I started asking questions to the priest and like, oh, our mass is just completely filled, of not just the readings, but the words of consecration, the words of our prayers, the colic, the responsorial psalms. Yes, I did not realize those are the same psalms you find <laughs> in the scripture. <laughs> yeah, no clue. So here's a person, a woman in the pew who you think would understand all this and have no idea. It was just another catalyst for why I went into women's ministry. I'm like, if I'm the, I can't be the only one sitting here who has no idea that the Catholic faith is so drenched in scripture. And that's where that sort of that match got lit in the dark room. You know, you Mm -hmm. were, you were here all along. You were getting fed scripture every time you went to mass, but you weren't really tasting it, I guess. And when you started to read scripture outside, suddenly it all came alive. And that I had a similar experience when I became Catholic and started reading scripture then through Catholic eyes and the whole thing just kind of bursting into flames in a good way, (laughs) becoming much more alive. So what's your habit then? Do you, do you read the Bible every day? Do you just read along with the church readings? What, what's your habit? What do you do? So I do dive into scripture in one way or the other every day. Part of my ADHD is that routine is pretty much impossible. So mm-hmm. I do not have a set time and I do not have a set way. And for me, it kind of works out perfect. Sometimes it's the, the daily scriptures. Sometimes it is an email that I'll get that has scripture in it. 
Other times it will be this kind of scriptural roulette where I sit down with the Bible, pray to the Holy Spirit and just open and go wherever the Spirit leads me. I have many different ways of interacting and coming to the word, but I do do it every single day. And I know you must study because you've written several Bible studies and tell tell a little bit about your Bible studies. I like the approach that you've taken because it's very simple. I think it's accessible to most people. And my stay connected journals are my Bible studies. And what I really wanted was the aha moment for women to have their own discovery of an aha moment. So if you use one of my Bible studies, we go through just different topics. Like I have one called the gift of invitation. Mm-hmm. which shows all invitations the which shows all the invitations that Jesus offers us through his word but i do not have the scriptures themselves in the back of the book like many bible studies do i have just the scripture verse just mm-hmm. the little address and lines for you to go and read it and then write down either what it says there or whatever in whatever inspires your heart. And I did that on purpose because I realized when I was studying God's word that I, the author may have thought that it was one Peter five, seven that I needed to hear, but the Holy spirit knows me much better than the author of which I am reading. And it may have been one Peter five, nine that I needed to read Hmm. that day. So if you're opening the words yourself, then God has this opening in your heart to let the spirit move in you. And I know I've had more than one time where I have thought I read the scripture that the author was sending me to. And then I get to Bible study and we start sharing and I realize (laughs) I I was like completely different. But that's where God needed me that day. Hmm. I think that's really important as well that we spend time in an actual Bible, in a book. I like the online stuff. I get that. But there's just something about holding his word and letting him just lead you through those pages. I find it such a mystical, beautiful journey, honestly. Mm -hmm. Now, in the process of telling me that, you mentioned 1 Peter 5, 7. Is there a particular reason you chose that verse? Has that been meaningful to you? Very. And this is part of that study and being able to put things together. So 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter says, cast all your cares or anxieties um, upon God because he cares for you. That's the Allison Abridge version. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's the, the word cast is the one that really caught my attention to cast my anxieties to God because he cares for me. And I started to visualize the, that Peter, a fisherman, used a net and he would cast and let go. Well, Allison, the fisherman, uses a pole. And so when I cast my cares <laughs> to God, I tend to reel them back in. Either either I think God's too busy. He doesn't have time for me. Let me take care of this myself. Or wait a minute, I don't want to waste my prayer wish with this particular issue. I may have a bigger one later on. I better take this in. Um, Yes, I did look at my prayers as like a genie bottle. I only get so many. Totally not how it works. But reading Peter's words, I thought, why would Peter be talking about casting his anxieties? What did Peter know about worry? Yeah. And that brought me to the Gospels in the time that Peter was fishing and having a really bad night fishing. And it wasn't that it was just, I won't have any fish. This is boring kind of thing. It was, I am a fisherman by trade. And what I catch is my living 
It's the people who are around me who, who count on me to catch these fish. So there's great anxiety, great worry when you are not able to make a living. And what happens? Jesus shows up and tells him to cast his net. And Peter does it mm-hmm. and he lets go and he lets Jesus do, even though he's not really sure it's going to work. You know, he doesn't do it with full trust and faith. He does it with much intrepidation, which is what happens often when I let go and let God do things. But what happens is that God fills them to an abundance, to overflowing. Mm. And that was, I discovered happens to me, especially when I'm anxious. I get the peace that surpasses all understanding, that the peace that Jesus came to leave us. So I cast, I let go, and I let God. Wow. I will never read that verse the same way again. (laughs) Thank you. I think that's a a beautiful illustration of how when we, when we kind of sit with one little nugget of the word as we're reading, I'll do that too sometimes, just reading along. Maybe I'm reading a whole chapter, but the Holy Spirit will draw me to one sentence or one paragraph, but sometimes it's one word. And often it is one of those vivid kind of action words. And I love that you're casting versus Peter's casting. <laughs> very, very good to cast and release. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let go. It's so yeah. hard, isn't it, sometimes to let go? And I think that's one of the things that the word has really, has really helped me do is let go and learn who God created me to be, what he wants me to do, to, to learn more about the virtues, to look at the role models, one of my favorite verses is Hebrews 11, 1, which by faith in the author goes through all of these different ways that faith inspired these people, these ordinary human beings to mm-hmm. do remarkable things. And when I get to the end of that, I always think, what by faith will God ask me to do? Mm. And one of the answers was to adopt my daughter, Faithy, yeah. which was really completely out of my realm of comfort. But yet the Lord through his goodness, guided me through it. And, and it wouldn't have happened without knowing his word and being able to s- discern his voice in my life. And I imagine, you know, adopting a child would really require you to be able to cast anxieties on the Lord. And, you know, in your case, you, you actually wrote about adopting your daughter in Encountering Signs of Faith is your book. My, your Unexpected Journey with Sacramentals, the Saints and the Abundant Grace of God. And such a beautiful title and a beautiful concept too, because, well, why don't, why don't you tell, why was it a sort of an extraordinary journey with your daughter and what is it that you discovered? Well, my daughter is uh, from China. She was almost four years old when we adopted her and she's profoundly deaf. When we brought her home, she had no language whatsoever. And so I didn't want to wait though for her to start discovering language to share my beautiful Catholic faith. So I looked at all the tangible, the visible ways that we could share our faith with her. And that's when I kind of discovered this treasure trove that of our Catholic faith has with all these sacramentals, these devotions, and even discovering that the Bible was a sacramental and that you, God's word. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, what is a sacramental? Can you define that? I don't yes. think that's always clear in people's minds. Yes, that's a great question. What is a sacramental? A sacramental, actually the catechism says that there is nothing on the earth that really can't be sanctified for our good, to grow our faith. They do not impart grace, but they prepare our hearts for the sacraments and for the ways that we receive grace. So they're things, a sacrament is a thing? 
Yep. It can be a rosary bead, a medal, a sacred image, a statue, a stained glass window, a Bible, holy water, incense, candles. There's a plethora, even church bells. I didn't include this in my book because it didn't feel right to be talking about a child that's deaf. But did you know that if a church bell is blessed, well, I'll just say all church bells are blessed. And those Mm. who hear that sound of that bell receive that blessing. Wow. Beautiful. Especially when you think of how many towns want to silence the church bells. They're silencing the blessing then. Very sad. That's right. I wonder where that all comes from, right? So you used these sacramentals then to help you with your daughter. And why, why was that something that you did? She takes her whole world in through her eyes. Everything for Faithy is visual. And so I started with what I thought would be the simplest. Like I really wanted her to know the, the good news. I wanted her to know the story, her salvation story, the salvation history, God's story. So I started with stained glass windows, which, which the church started with many, many years ago to tell the story. They created these beautiful stained glass windows for those who could not read to start to learn the story, to start to learn what God had for them. So we started with stained glass windows and picture books and moved on to lighting candles at church together and kind of explaining. We would light the candle and then kneel before a beautiful image of Our Lady of Guadalupe I would, you know, show her how to pray. And then I would explain to her as best I could that we were leaving our prayer here in front of Mary at the tabernacle for our prayer to continue to rise to heaven. And it was just uncovering sacramental and devotion after devotion, just trying to teach her that I learned myself, a lifelong Catholic, like, how did I not know about all Mm. these amazing, And, and in the book, Encountering Signs of Faith, each chapter also I connect these to a, to a scripture. And I hmm. think it's really important that we learn about the saints and our devotions, but also we stay always connected to the scripture. So each chapter also gives you a scripture verse to reflect upon and to answer questions about. Is there an example of that that you would want to share that could help us to understand? Yes. For instance, one of the chapters is called Inspired by the Word, and I talk about the Bible as a sacramental, Hmm. St. John. And I use the scripture, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed in us Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him. In love, he destined us for adoption to him through Jesus Christ in accord with the favor of his will for the praise of the glory of his grace that he granted us in the beloved. And I use this to talk about our inheritance of adoption, that we're all adopted and that he gives us all these spiritual blessings on heaven and on earth. And I kind of bring together in my reflection there how the word is that beautiful from heaven here on earth. And it's such a, a, we have all these spiritual blessings and we're all adopted into this family. That's just one of the examples that I use. Hmm. So scripture then is not the sacramental. It's the Bible that is the sacramental that brings to us the the written word of God. Yes. Hmm. And with it, it comes a blessing and a prayer and it opens up our heart and prepares us to receive the actual grace, for instance, in in mass, it makes sense that our readings are the word of God and from scripture because they prepare us to receive 
the gift of the grace that we will get when we receive the Eucharist. Yes. So, Allison, I wonder if there's some way that scripture has had an impact on your life as far as your practice and experience of Lent, if that changed, you know, after you started really getting into scripture. I am such a Lenten dork. I so look if, look forward to this season. I know it should probably be a barren desert season, but for me, it's a very fruitful time. And one of the things the scriptures really opened up for me was the importance of going to confession, this, the sacrament of reconciliation, of not only asking God's forgiveness, but the need for us to forgive others. And that came when I discovered Matthew 18, 23, the parable of the unmerciful servant. So real quick, the Allison abridged version, we have a man that owes a king money. The king calls him in. The man falls to his knees because he doesn't have the money to pay back. The king shows him mercy. Same guy goes out, finds somebody else who owes him money. That man falls to his knees because he doesn't have the money to pay. But the man who was just forgiven a big giant debt does not forgive this man a little debt. King finds out calls back the first man he forgave and calls him, you wicked servant. I showed you mercy and you couldn't show that same mercy to somebody else. And then that man is thrown into the prison until he can repay that debt. And it's what Jesus says at the very end of this on Matthew 18, 35. So also my heavenly father will do to you, to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And I had been at that time going through a very difficult time with trying to forgive somebody who had really hurt me. And I would go to confession and be like, I'm giving their confession, right? <laughs> like, this is all the things <laughs> this person did. And the priest was so smart. He said to me, you're like a monkey with an orange. Like you're, you're trapping yourself because you won't let go of the prize of this orange of, of your vengefulness. He's like, let it go, forgive them, pray for them to receive every blessing and grace you wish in your life. And you're going to find a peace that you have not yet discovered. Hmm. And I started to, it was really hard. My first prayer was like, Lord, you know, change them. <laughs> okay. Lord, make them a better person. But little by little, I started to pray, Lord, help me, give me the grace. Because we can't forgive on our own. Mm -hmm. We need God's grace to forgive. But the more I went to confession, the more that I brought that to that sacrament and received grace, the more grace I was able to then impart on those places in my life that I struggled. And for me, it's a lot of unforgiveness. Well, that's a beautiful example of the way scripture can work with our own hearts and, you know, help us to find peace. And that, that does bring me back to your verse that you brought up earlier. I think you said it was your favorite verse from Philippians. And I wonder if before we go, I'd love to pray that with people. But first, maybe you can read that again, read it out loud from the Bible and tell just in a few words why it's so important to you. So that's Philippians 4. I think it was 6 to 7. Yes. So this scripture is very important to me. I have dealt with anxiety my entire life. If you could gold medal and worrying, I'd be an Olympian. I worry about my health. I worry about my children. The fact that God took this person who worries about, I have what's called mysophobia, which is the irrational fear of contamination. Some people call it germophobia, but it's actually way more than that. And through his grace, he brought me all the way to China to bring home this beautiful little girl. Mm. Just, I don't think without this 
verse. And I'm not saying I didn't also do therapy. I just did the medication. Like I'm not saying that scripture heals all of your anxieties, but if you're somebody who deals with anxiety, it's definitely part of the regimen that I think you should include because I can tell you from my own experiences that it has truly changed the way that I come at these things that I worry so much about. It's really mm. just helped me let it go, to give it to God and to receive that peace again that he gives us. And so this was the first scripture I learned and memorized and it is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is one of my favorites as well. Um, sometimes I call it St. Paul's recipe for peace. <laughs> yes. And I would love to pray that with everybody who's listening. If you want to get out your Bible, pause the podcast for a second. It's Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. And otherwise, just close your eyes. I'm going to read it again and allow the word to speak to your heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. And I love that. Lord, you are by us. You are always near. Which gets us ready for what Paul says next. Have no anxiety about anything. No anxiety. Have no anxiety. It's a choice about anything, not about your job, your children, your health, where you're going to live, whatever it is. Not that the problem is going to necessarily go away, but don't be anxious. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, in all situations, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. God, we thank you for being with us, for loving and caring for all of our needs. Remembering to thank you as we present our petitions to you. By prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Maybe take a minute now. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We pray, Father, for that peace that is beyond our understanding. For peace even when the chaos does not stop. Be that still point for us in this crazy turning world. Thank you for your word and for the life and strength that it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what we hear. Give us grace to love and to live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Word, pray for us.
Allison, I have loved talking with you today. And thank you so much for your witness, you know, for the many ways that scripture can really enliven our faith and help us to hear from God, speak personally to us in our lives and enrich our our practice of the faith in, in so many different ways. So before we go, where can we reach you? Where can we find out more about your books and your ministry? I am at ReconcileToYou.com. It's taking from 1 Corinthians 5.20, being reconciled to God, being an ambassador for Christ. That's exactly what I wanted to be. So you can find me at ReconcileToYou.com and Reconcile to You on all social media platforms. Great, and we'll we'll put that in the, the show notes here. This is Sarah Chris Meyer, and this has been Living the Word Bible Podcast. I thank you for listening. I hope that you will join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. And you can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible. If you'd like to get a copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible, it is available to you now for a special price, $59.95 plus free shipping. Just go to AveMariaPress.com and use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word, BiblePodcast. The offer expires at the end of 2023. And may God richly bless you. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.